you know, I've always kind of had this complex with my weight. You know, I was always the, you know, the heavier girl in the group, um, had boobs before all of my friends. Like, you know, I've always been curvy. So I think when I was younger, it started out as, you know, wanting to be active because I wanted to be smaller because smaller meant good, you know, to 12 year old Michelle or 13 or 14 or 15 year old Michelle, you know, um, So I I found myself, you know, trying to do those things for those reasons. But I think over the years, I realized that, um, you know, there was a lot more to it than that, that I really enjoyed how I felt um, when I was doing active things. So, you know, sometimes it was in a gym. Sometimes it was, you know, running outside, um, you know, or going for walks. And, you know, eventually it, it led to hiking. That was Michelle Jackson Salters, and you're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 184. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest and to dig into our hugely wide-ranging and honest conversation about everything from marriage to hiking to work-life balance. We cover a lot. But before we get to that, I would love to tell you a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes in our fun Patreon community and invite you to join us this month. As you probably know by now, Real Talk Radio is a 100% listener-supported show, which is something that I'm really proud of. That means that we don't have any ads or sponsors. These conversations are financially supported by awesome, irregular people just like you who give $1 or more per episode. Your funding is how the show gets made. And as a thank you, I'm so thrilled to be able to offer lots of community-only bonuses, like the new 10-minute Q&A mini-sodes where I answer community member questions, my monthly real-life and real-time reflections series with Julia Hanlon of the Running on Ohm podcast, my monthly link love lists that share links to all the best things that I'm reading, watching, buying, listening to, all of that good stuff, our live small group Google Hangouts, which I love. Those are so much fun. And a transparent monthly business and money report that details the business side of Real Talk Radio and more. If you're interested in bonuses like that and in joining the community, if you're in a place to be able to contribute $1 or more per episode, which translates to just $3 per month, I would so appreciate it. Right now, I've set a funding goal that you can see on our Patreon page that will allow me to get transcripts made for future episodes, a costly but important step in making the show more inclusive for all. And I would love your support to make that happen. So to learn more about the Patreon community and to join the 440 plus people who are proudly supporting this work every month, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. One more time, that's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. I can't wait to welcome you to the Real Talk Radio family. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Michelle Jackson Salters. Michelle serves as the co-founder and chief operations officer of the Outdoor Journal Tour. You might remember the Outdoor Journal Tour from episode 180, in which I interviewed Michelle's wife and co-founder, Kenya Jackson Salters, all about the program that they created in 2015 to spread mindfulness and movement. To date, this work has touched over 3,000 women. But the Outdoor Journal Tour is not all that Michelle does. Professionally, she's a bilingual sales and service manager for the largest airline catering company in the world. With over a decade of industry experience, she's excelled as the youngest member on her team, working with some of the largest and most profitable airlines in the world. 
On the eve of her 34th birthday, Michelle also started the Year of Michelle Journal, a self-inquiry experiment to help her to better understand and know herself. That journal has now turned into a three-plus-year exploration, which we dig into in detail in this episode. Our conversation covers so many topics that the first thing I said to Michelle after we were done recording was, oh my God, this episode is going to be impossible to title, (laughs) which to me, I guess, is the sign of a really good conversation. We talk about journaling, marriage, jealousy, forming adult relationships with our aging parents, compromise, hiking and backpacking, the fun of trying new things, work-life balance, and lots more. Michelle is such a warm, honest, and thoughtful woman, and it was a real delight for me to have this conversation with her. I hope that you enjoy it just as much. All of that starts in just a moment, and as always, you'll be able to find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at realtalkradiopodcast.com. All right, we're good to go. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hello. I would love to start with a question that I'm totally stealing from you. When we were um, at the Adventurous Women Retreat in Bend in September, and I got to attend the hike that you led, the question that you asked at the beginning for everyone to answer was, what's your superpower? So I am going to ask you that question. Michelle, what is your superpower? You know, it changes. <laughs> it changes, but that's actually perfect to what I was going to say because I was going to say that it's adaptability. And I think that that's a big part of it is that it changes often. But I think adaptability, I would say, is my superpower for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love also, I'm on a huge kick lately of giving yourself and other people permission to change, which is not new for me. It's something I think about yeah. and talk about a lot, but that sometimes I feel, I don't know if this is like a result of social media or having to, you know, write your perfectly crafted bio, or I think it's really easy to over-identify with like, I'm a hiker, I'm a runner, I'm like this like tight thing that I put myself into. And like, what if you change your mind? Right, right. Or what if you like lots of things at once? And one thing is just leaning more heavily at one time, (laughs) which also happens. Yeah, completely. So adaptability sounds like a really useful superpower. Yeah. And also, um, I am a Gemini. Actually, we're birthday twins. I just remembered, but I'm a Gemini. And one thing that I have learned about myself um, over the years is that I have to kind of give myself that space to flip flop around because I do like a lot of different things and I do have a lot of interests. And I used to say, um, what is it, Jack? Um, uh, what is it? <laughs> Um, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, I mm-hmm. think is what the, the thing is, but it sounds so negative And I don't, I don't feel like that's a, a good representation of me. I feel like I'm a master of a few things, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you on the like classic Gemini traits, you know, and yes, birthday twins. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> that I have had to, I feel like I've had to reclaim some of that story for myself, this idea that, you know, I was always taught of it's, it's much better to pick one thing and to be, you know, really good at that one thing whether it's like a hobby or your career. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that being the case if that's someone's path. But I always felt like, what's wrong with me that, you know, every three to five years, I really am ready to do something totally differently. And the answer is nothing if I lean into that and build my life accordingly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Agreed. 100%. So one of the first things that I wanted to ask you about, you had mentioned um, a project that you did called the Year of Michelle Journal. Tell me the story yeah. of what that was and how that started. Um, so I was turning 
34. And I was like, like, holy shit, I am going to be 35 next year. I I don't know. For a very long time, I saw myself as like this young adult. <laughs> Like, Michelle, what are you talking about? Like, you're full on adult. Like, like you're in there. Like, you're getting close to like middle age. And I just was like, okay, like, what am like, what am I doing? What do I care about? What am I passionate about? And I just I find myself getting stuck on autopilot frequently. Just, you know, the nature of um of the of my days of business just being busy and I just get stuck on autopilot. So I kind of challenged myself to from like the year between 34 and 35, like approaching my 35th birthday to try to be more conscious, try to be more mindful. Um, initially, I wanted to journal every day. That did not happen, but <laughs> I journaled a lot more than I did before, which uh, was very sparingly. But um, it was really just to kind of put more focus on myself and just to try to be more conscious and more mindful of like who I am and, you know, where I am and where I want to be or, or you know, just kind of what my passions are and, and who I am, like, who is this, you know, grown ass adult Michelle. (laughs) Um, and it was supposed to be just a year, but that was, I'll be 38 in June. (laughs) So I've just kept going. Um, obviously I have times where I'm more focused on it than others, but, um, I really, really have enjoyed it. And I probably one of my favorite things is going back and reading, you know, some of the stuff from 34, 35, 36-year-old Michelle, um, noticing some of the patterns and some of the growth. And it's been really fun. Yeah. So in that first year, when you, it sounds like, you know, you started journaling a lot more than you were prior to that. Were there certain prompts? Was it free writing? Was it like a wake up and I'm going to do this for 10 minutes? I'm really, it's especially with journaling. I feel like journaling, meditating, you know, things like that, that we all know what the word means, but the actual process of it can look really different person to person. And I'm always interested in like, okay, but what'd you actually do? Right? Like, what did that actually look like? Yeah. Um, it was, it was free writing. I mean, it really started off as, um, trying to do new things, trying to explore like, the things that I enjoy, passions. Um, Like I said, I just kind of felt like I was stuck. So it was really just uh, trying to do new things first off, but obviously it wasn't doing something new every single day. (laughs) Um, But trying to do new things and then kind of write about the experiences, but also a lot of just free writing. Like, how do I feel in that moment? Like, what's happening? What am I thinking? Where am I at? Like, um, and I know for me too, is if I put too many constraints around something, I won't do it because I want to do it perfectly. (laughs) You know, if I say I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I, you know, don't feel motivated to do that, or I'm not feeling drawn to that, then I just don't do it. And it's hard for me to get back into it. So it was really just a lot of, um, you know, feelings, you know, goals, um, current events, um, like, you know, the elections, um, what happened in Orlando, like all this, I actually am holding the journal in my hand and I'm flipping through it. It's a lot of stuff, you know, travel, work, relationship stuff, just, you know, life. 
Yeah, I love the idea of a project like this. I am someone who I think I have this like fantasy version of myself who does like morning daily <laughs> journaling, and I have yeah. never once been able to have that be the case. Like my yeah. my experience with you know what I think of as journaling is more. Um, problem solving, right? That I definitely work mm-hmm. things out through writing about it. And so it'll be like, a, you know, at the top of the page, what do I need to be more honest with myself about right now? Or what is this really about? You know, that it's like a question answer type thing in a time yeah. of need. But I always found when I would try to do a daily thing, I would really resist it. And so I just, yeah. I, so personally, I'm always so curious about, you know, folks for whom that has worked. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it wasn't daily, but I think that was honestly a part of the experience is to like, to, you know, allow myself a little bit of leeway, you know, if I don't do it every single day for 365 days, like nothing bad is going to happen. Like if I do it for 300 out of the 365 days, it's still, you know, it's still something great and I'm still getting something out of it and being okay with not being perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, right? Like I think a lot about sort of the the push and pull of, I mean, I, I talk about it as like grit and grace, um, mm-hmm. but also just like discipline versus like spontaneity. And, you know, because there's times for me where I feel like my self-care and self-love looks like discipline, right? Like discipline as self-love. That is sometimes mm-hmm. like 100% mm-hmm. the best thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, where am I being too perfectionistic for no reason? You know, like mm-hmm. you said, if there's right. too many constraints yeah. with that. So, yeah. I mean, I obviously we're talking about this through the lens of journaling, but how has that sort of struggle, if it has like shown up for you? Um, I mean, as, as far as just, you know, keeping with something, that's always been something that I've kind of been hard on myself about. Um, you know, like we said at the beginning, like I'll start doing something and be super passionate into it. Um, you know, and then things change. I change, uh, my interests change or, you know, my passion shifts to something else. But I think for this, it was good because, you know, it wasn't, they're really, you know, the the goal was really just to connect more with myself. You know, the goal was just to, for me, for Michelle to understand who I am and what mm-hmm. that means, you know, for me and how, like, how am I going to take that? Like, like, what does it mean going forward? Like, how do I, you know, maybe pause autopilot every now and again? And how does it show up in my everyday life? And, you know, what, practices are important and what do have an impact and, um, just kind of being, um, you know, being more, more graceful with myself, you know, allowing myself to kind of give and, and take as I, as I need it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love what you said about um, being really clear about what the purpose of the, you know, like the exercise or the activity or the project, whatever you want to call it, you know, this idea of wanting to get to know yourself better. That I think for me, the things that I have tended to stick with and that are really self supportive are things where I'm very clear on why I'm doing it. And there's a real personal mm-hmm. reason why, as opposed to like such and such influencer on the internet said, I should start my day this way. So therefore, I'm going yeah. to. And not that they're wrong necessarily, that that practice doesn't work for them. But if I don't, have like real connection to it or there isn't a reason to do it, of course, it's not going to stick for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's morphed over the years. It's morphed, you know, it's changed. It's, you know, it's become, you know, um, more of like a kind of a gratitude or, you know, things that I'm, you know, kind of looking forward to or things that I'm planning, that sort of thing. But I will say the one thing that has carried out throughout all of it is, you know, I, whatever, regardless of what I'm writing, I try to, 
um, not try because I have, <laughs> but I end, um, you know, each entry with a thank you, like some type of, you know, gratitude for whatever, whatever I'm thankful for in that moment. I know it sounds super cheesy, but just, you know, cause sometimes it's just a full on rant. Like <laughs> sometimes it's just all of the, you know, shitty things that I am not happy about. And then it's like, okay, but I'm thankful for this. So, um, you know, and sometimes it's the opposite, you know, sometimes it's a really great thing or, you know, something I'm inspired by or, you know, but still trying to end with that. So I think maybe underneath all of it, it's just trying to, you know, embrace the silver lining and, you know, take whatever lessons come and also knowing that there's ebb and flow in everything. And, you know, there are very wonderful moments and some moments that you'd rather not have. Um, But, you know, just trying to find, trying to find the beauty in all of it. Yeah. So through doing that, I mean, I know you said that it's continued longer than just the first year, but um, maybe particularly in the first year or since, was there anything that came up that surprised you, especially I can really relate to what you were saying about like still thinking of yourself as younger than you are, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's hard to articulate for me, but when you said it, I really connected with that. If I, I think I have this vision of myself as someone who's like maybe in their late 20s, like I'm going to be 35 next year. Like, oh, I'm an adult mm-hmm. actually, like this happens, <laughs> you know? And right. sometimes there's almost like a, like a disassociative thing that happens there. And I know that I'm not alone because I've talked to other friends about similar things, but I'm interested if there was anything through this like process that really surprised you about you. Um, something that really surprised me about me, probably the biggest thing is that I seem to look at most things, good or bad, um, from, I don't want to say extreme, but kind of extreme, um, you know, positions like very black, black or white. Um, and not really embracing the gray. Um, I don't know. And I, I think that I've always felt like I had, um, that I saw that and embraced it and, you know, was able to kind of live in the gray area. But when I go back and read some of the stuff, it was definitely like, you know, this end of the spectrum to that end of the spectrum and not a whole lot of space in between for flexibility. And I think it goes back to this um, you know, this idea of needing to be perfect and, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. I can relate a lot to the, it's either this extreme thing or this extreme thing. Like, oh no, wait, yeah. it can actually be something in the middle. What do you mean? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do you feel like I that's... go to that problem solving mode, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's the way that you were raised? Like you mentioned perfectionism a couple of times. Where do you think that comes from for you? You know, I think some of it is personality. Um, I think some of it is is definitely just um, family. You know, there's definitely some perfectionism that runs <laughs> runs in my family. I see a lot of myself and my mom. Um, but I think a lot of it is, you know, just personality and just wanting to be you know, loved and accepted and appreciated and seen and all of those things. And this idea, um, not even idea, because I mean, society shows us in, you know, a lot of ways, but when you kind of excel or when you do more than what's needed, you know, there's typically praise, you know, there's typically, um, 
accolades even given for that. Um, so I think there's a part of me or, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old Michelle that, you know, was looking for that at some point and it just kind of stayed. Yeah. I think about that with perfectionism, with a lot of other things that we can tend to get down on ourselves of what's wrong with me that I'm like this. And it's like, no, no, there's like very real rewards for <laughs> doing yeah, for, for being for being that way. Not necessarily internally, right? Like I feel like mm-hmm. mostly the person that it hurts is you. And I say this as someone who, you know, has very similar tendencies, but that it's like we got to be the way that we are because it was reinforced somewhere. Like it works. Yeah. If it didn't work, if it didn't get us anything that was good, we wouldn't do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Woody, and I mean, this is kind of an abstract question because um, I know perfectionism itself is something we could probably talk about for the next two hours. But <laughs> do you feel like there's been anything in particular that's helped you to like sort of work on unlearning that? You know what? Um, and I'm not saying this to be like cheesy and sappy, but my relationship with Kenya has really made me like face that head on. You know, we are polar opposites in many ways and then similar in a lot of ways. Um, But I've really, she's helped me break down that idea of needing to be perfect just um, because she has so much like confidence in who she is and she's very sturdy in in the the kind of who she is and, and how she shows up and you know, she doesn't feel the need to do more or less. I mean, of course, sometimes, I mean, she's human, but doesn't feel the need to do more or less to get something in return. You know, she's really just showing up as herself. Um, And just seeing that, um, you know, and being in a relationship with someone for almost 10 years (laughs) and them seeing you, Um, and saying like, you know, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to not have to do everything. You know, it's okay to not be perfect. Um, it's okay to just show up as you are, you know, you're loved and accepted regardless, which, you know, logically I know, but like I said, 10, 11, 12 year old Michelle still in there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think over the, over the last few years, it's definitely, she's played a big role in that. And my best friend, which I guess not surprisingly is, um, very similar to Kenya in that way, um, you know, very grounded in her spirituality. And, you know, just, um, of course, they're both human and they have things that they're learning and, you know, growing and evolving too, but their demeanor and position in life and how they show up is just very calm and relaxed and, you know, um, uh, just, you know, just very pointed and, and purposeful. Yeah, I remember reading once something about how our most fulfilling relationships, like all types of relationships, often happen when we're in relationship with someone who's like five or six steps like further along a path in a quality that we really like want to emulate. And when that's true, like vice versa, right? For both people. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think about I, I like I think about that a lot in what you just said too, because that makes so much sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a bit, you know, a lot of other things too. I mean, I think over, over time, like you start to see things differently. It's just, you know, natural uh, progression in life and with age, I mean, on and off and, you know, therapy and, you know, starting to see my parents as people and not, you know, just a mom and dad, you know, just all of those little things that kind of help you understand 
why you are the way you are, you know? And like you said, it's not bad or good. It's just, you know, there's a reason for all of it. Oh, seeing your parents as people. Can we talk about that? Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, What has that been like for you? Um, you know, it has not been an easy process for me. Same. Um, it, really, it really has not. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I have to back up and say, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful. I mean, I, you know, had two parents that loved me and, you know, took care of me and made sure that I had everything I needed and, you know, allowed me to speak my mind and all of those wonderful things. But, they're just, they were just people, you know, and I, like many other people, you know, parents got divorced when I was 13 and was very much a daddy's girl. And at 13, you're old enough to understand, but not necessarily old enough to process the emotions that go along with it. Um, and I think I just kind of held on to that for a really long time. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't think, I think probably up until I was about maybe 32, 31, 32, I pretty much cried every time I talked about my dad. (laughs) Like literally every time. It wasn't until like my like kind of late, you know, mid, mid mid-ish, you know, 32, 33, where, you know, I could have conversations and remember things without like bursting into tears and being this whole emotional thing, which isn't bad, but it was just kind of a part of processing. You know, I always, um, you know, I just carried a lot of anger, you know, and a lot of, uh, I guess, pain and hurt about feeling abandoned, Mm -hmm. you know, and feeling, you know, when you're that age, you know, and you see your parents as your security and your keepers, (laughs) for lack of a better word, but your sense of the world, and then it kind of falls apart. And it's this whole, you know, thing that feels really bad. Um, You know, you kind of lose, lose your idea of you know, safety from an emotional perspective, um, you know, and security from an emotional perspective. And, um, yeah, (laughs) it was, it was not easy. Yeah. And then there's like the process of sort of wrestling with what's true versus what's like my story, right? right? Which, you know, I mean, I don't even know in this kind of context what the truth is, because I feel like every, everyone in the family probably has a different, (laughs) like, recollection of what the truth is, and, like, sort of coming to terms with that. And, you know, I, I also am now in the position, as I'm sure a lot of folks are, of, you know, parents are aging and what does that look like and just how the relationship dynamics change over time. And I I recently went to um, visit my parents for the, I mean, the first time I've seen them in in quite a while and first time I've visited them in their new home. And it's just so interesting. I don't know if you have this experience, like the person that you turn into when you are with your parents again, like I just, some things where I'm like, why are you behaving this way? You wouldn't behave this way with anyone else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's that, funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, but right? I don't know. Maybe that doesn't happen no, to you. No, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, my thing now is um, like this weird, like internal dialogue because I see so much of myself in my mom, particularly, but somewhat in my like. I think my dad and I are probably more similar personality types, but I seem to like emulate my mom. (laughs) 
which, you know, is, it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's weird. It's weird to go and see her do the things that I do. Um, and it just be like this natural thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And some of it, you know, some of it is, you know, comical because, you know, Kenya will give me a hard time all the time. Like if she's driving and I'm like, you know, telling her what to do. And then my mom does the same thing to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't do that. (laughs) So it's just, I mean, it's just been a very... I don't know. It's just been a very interesting process. And I like, you know, the idea of our parents aging too has been really interesting too. Like I was just um, visiting my family. My dad just turned 60. But what was kind of cool is it's actually the first time I've I've spent the night with him in like, I don't know, since I was a kid. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was weird because it felt like when I was a kid, <laughs> like it felt like, you know, like I'm a little girl and, you know, I'm just hanging out with my dad. And it's just so interesting how that, that just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you said, you kind of turn into this. I don't, I don't know if I would say different person, but definitely a different version of yourself. Yeah. or And, and obviously, I mean, you are who you are in every situation, yeah. right? The core of you is the same. It's more, you know, certain behaviors or things or I notice like my fuse is really short with certain things with them that yeah. it wouldn't be with other people, right? Yeah. And just to kind of have to step back and be like, okay, that's interesting. And the sort of the other yeah. thing that's come up for me in this arena is like, can I accept that these relationships, like all relationships, but that these relationships like with my parents are imperfect, right? That like yeah. whatever fantasy version I had in my mind at like age 10 of what, like it, that is not the reality. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like then yeah. what, you know, and can I accept yeah. that? Yeah. 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 So you mentioned um, Kenya a couple of times, and it's for me like a real special treat to get to interview both of you, but separately, only a few episodes apart. (laughs) That's like a neat thing to do. (laughs) Can you tell me the story of how you two met? Yeah, so we actually met on Um, (laughs) Match.com, which, uh, you know, back in the day before swiping left or right. which um, is funny because I'm like, uh, it wasn't, doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but um, you know, a lot has changed in that time. In internet years. Yeah. In internet years. Yeah. It's like doubled, but yeah. So we, we met on match.com. We both lived in Atlanta. um, So it actually worked out really well because, you know, we talked online a little bit, you know, gushing and flirting and all of that. And we finally met in person. And I know for me, when I met her in person, I was like, Oh God, you know, like this, (laughs) Like, I think, uh, you know, I think this might be my person. Like, uh, you know, I think that this is like, you know, she's the one, um, which of course, uh, is super cheesy, (laughs) but I, but I love it. I think, um, we have similar, similar stories where we just had, you know, very different experiences prior to meeting each other. And, um, I think it was just all divine timing, you know, like we were both in kind of transitionary um, phases in our life and we were both just really open and really free and just like living our best lives. Um, And it just really, it was kind of the perfect time to come together. It really worked out. um, it, It really worked out well. Do you remember what it was or what couple of things about her you were most like curious about and interested and attracted to at the beginning? She's such a good writer. Like her, like even in e- like emails, you know, and it's funny. Um, but like she was such a good writer. Um, and I was really intrigued with, 
the fact that she identified as Buddhist, um, which you don't find very many, you know, black people, black women <laughs> that identify, at least I haven't, you know, that identify as, as, as Buddhist. And I just was very intrigued by, you know, by that. And it just, um, I don't know, it was just very interesting. Like she was just a very interesting person and she was attractive, of course. <laughs> How long have you been married? Um, about four and a half years. Um, May will be five, five years. And we've been together for almost 10. One of the questions that comes up um, uh, relatively often in the Real Talk Radio community when talking about relationships, romantic relationships, is the question of either how people feel about marriage or how they decide if that's the right path for their own relationship. Again, one of those questions mm-hmm. that has like no right or wrong answer, right? But mm-hmm. um, I'm interested if you could talk a little bit about why marriage felt right for you personally. Um, you know, marriage is very interesting. I think, honestly, um, I very much bought into the traditional norms of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a part of me that was, you know, that 12 year old Michelle that was still holding on to that, um, you know, pre-divorce family, <laughs> you know, where we had dinner together and, you know, went on, you know, walks together and, you know, stuff like that. And I think that there was a big part of me that, like you said, kind of had that perfect version of my life. Um, so I think that it's changed though, to kind of add a layer to your question. I think that my idea of marriage has changed. Um, I think that, um, it is a very dynamic relationship, um, that changes as quickly as we do and evolves and, um, sometimes is very easy um, and very effortless and other times requires a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, focus. But I think ultimately um, it's, it's, a, it's a conscious decision and choice to have this partner, you know, to have this life partner and to share your life with someone. And I think there's just a lot of... Um, lot of different ways that that can look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and that's why it comes up a lot, right? I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. interesting. I recently did um, just like a kind of random, you know, AMA in my Instagram stories, like kind of, hey, Q&A, whatever, I'll answer questions. And one of the things that someone asked was like if and how my views on marriage had changed since getting divorced. And like that mm-hmm. brought up a whole interesting conversation too of just like you said, like as you evolve, as you get older, as your relation, as you see different things, right? That's like it, maybe your feelings yeah. on it change. Maybe they don't. Um, but yeah, I'm always interested in kind of why people made the choices that they made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I think it's changed. I mean, I think what started out, you know, I, I don't want to say naive because it sounds negative, but just, I mean, it not in a negative way, but a very naive perspective on, you know, what I thought marriage would be or what I wanted it to be. Interesting. Um, How so? Um, I just, you know, maybe too many rom-coms or too much <laughs> chiclet. I don't know. Like 
this this idea of like happily ever after where you know everything is is always great and you always you know agree on everything and want the same things and enjoy the same things and make it home for dinner every night <laughs> like you know just uh, uh the idea that there is no bumps and there's no um barriers and and maybe not no barriers i mean i don't think that there would never be any issues but you know just this idea that you know, check that off my list. Uh, what's next? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, what's funny is that, you know, Kenya has always kind of had a, a different view on marriage and, you know, we had a lot of conversations before we got married and what that looks like for her and what that means for her. And, um, you know, sometimes I would take some of the things she said personally, but, um, now like I'm, I'm in a place where I agree with her and I know that it it wasn't personal because it's not, um, it's just not, it's not personal, you know, like we are only in control of ourselves and the expectations that we have of other people, um, you know, sometimes is, is just not even that it's unrealistic, it's unhealthy too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unhealthy to think that this one person is responsible for your happiness or that this one person, you know, carries the weight of, you know, everything that you ever need. Like, you know, the idea, like even saying that just seems a little bit, I don't know, a little bit crazy, (laughs) but that is kind of what the traditional sense of, you know, marriage is, but that's just, I don't know, like just the weight of that expectation is a lot. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, you know, when you were talking about like maybe too many rom-coms, like that, that idea of, you know, this person is like the one and only, like that really is fed to us from lots of different angles. Absolutely. And yet not really articulated necessarily in that way, because when you do stop and like speak it out like you just did, it definitely sounds crazy, right? Like this one person is going to solve every one of my things and be, you know, like meet every single one of my needs and like that. Yeah. mm, mm, Okay. Right. Like even in like the best, healthiest, like most long lasting, fulfilling relationships, like uh, your needs are also getting met by other people elsewhere. Right. And so, of course, but it's like the kind it's, it's, I mean, that's true with a lot of sort of cultural norm type stuff that it's like, it's in the water, right. Until someone's like, hang on, (laughs) this thing seems a little, "Mm, let's question this. Yeah, but I mean, it's tough, though, because there is like, you know, this social pressure too, right? To like, you know, have this very neat and perfect and monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's something that I'm, you know, I am still kind of, you know, trying to figure out, like, I'm trying to separate what I really think and feel and want versus what I have been socialized to believe. Yeah, like, which I'm trying is so to tough. untangle that. Yeah. And it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really hard okay. to untangle. Okay. So that, that brings up a good follow-up question. In this realm of like, you know, marriage, relationships, the things that we're talking about, ha- has there been anything that you feel like you have been able to untangle? Like, okay, like this, this is a me thing and this is a culture thing. <sighs> um. No, (laughs) no, I don't, I don't think I have because, you know, I think, I think that they're so intertwined in some places that you can't separate it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, because there's very real, you know, feelings and emotions that, you know, even the most conscious person, uh, you know, goes through and feels. And it's, you know, even like if you kind of take some of the, the weight out of it and say we're talking about like a friendship and not a marriage, um, even within friendship, there can be jealousy, you know, and it sounds really silly. And maybe it's not something that would, you know, uh, be a whole conversation or, you know, whatever. But, you know, just uh, example, you know, you and your best friend always do something together. And then your best friend is doing said thing with someone else because of whatever reason, because, because they have a relationship with this person and they wanted to do whatever with that person, you know, there might be a part of you that has like this, this like, you know, sting of, of jealousy, of insecurity, of like, well, that was our thing. And, you know, it just, it's, I I think it's a natural reaction, but when it's a friendship, it's easier to manage internally. It doesn't necessarily um, and, you know, everybody is different, but doesn't necessarily have to be this, you know, great discussion, this great debate. Like it, for me, it's something that I can, you know, handle internally. Like, you know, Michelle, it's okay for people to have other friends and to do, you know, things, other people, of course, you know, this person cares about you too. And here are all the reasons why, you know, and that whole, that whole dialogue. But when it comes to a romantic relationship, um, you know, with the, with the spouse, it just, it carries so much more weight, you know, and it like becomes like these very like definitive, um, you know, statements about, about their, you know, entire kind of feeling about you or their investment into the relationship and, and all of these very like heavy things, um, So it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough because I think right now I'm in a place where I know that a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that I'm feeling are reactions to the expectations that I have and the expectations I have are not necessarily fair and they're not expectations that I want somebody to have on me, but I still, you know, will have these reactions to certain things. But I guess awareness is kind of a, a big first step in all of it and being able to have a conversation. And I mean, that's one thing I'm really grateful for is, you know, that's, you know, we're always talking about, <laughs> about something and what it looks like. But it, I mean, it hasn't always been easy, you know, it hasn't always been easy. And it's not, I mean, it's just, it's a journey, Yeah. I thank you for sharing that. I feel like that was a very human thing, right? Like all of that is, it just, I feel like universally relatable. And it's interesting that jealousy was kind of the example that you went to. Cause when I asked that question about the uh, untangling the threads, like jealousy was one of the things that I thought of, because personally, that's something that I've been investigating as well as it sounds like you have. And kind Mm -hmm. of as far as I've been able to get in like the separating of the what's my stuff versus what's like been put on me culture stuff, or is, I agree with you that I think the, like the feelings of jealousy that that can happen in any different type of relationship for any different type of reasons. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to get to a place where I'm evolved enough that that never happens, right? Like, you're right, feeling so right. you don't feel jealous. I was like, okay, that's the human part. That's whatever. What's the part here that I don't 
don't want to accept anymore that I want to unlearn. And for me, this is a really specific example, but for me, it's jealousy as an attractive quality, meaning like, Mm. you know, someone loves you because they're like super jealous and possessive of you. And that's, you know, talk about the like certain kinds of books or certain, you know what I mean? Like that's definitely um, an aspect in a lot of traditional like romance novels or erotica, right? Especially like older stuff too. And to look at like how many times I have been told or not told specifically, but shown that, you know, someone who really loves you, it looks like this and that jealousy is a really big piece Mm -hmm. of that. And to be like, actually, Mm -hmm. that's not the way that I want to be loved. And I don't want that to be like the expectation of how I'm going to act for someone else either. If I don't fly into some kind of a jealous rage because some other woman like talked to that, right? That means I don't love them. No, I don't accept that. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the jealousy one. Um, <laughs> whew, that's a big topic. I um, know, I know. What's something, maybe some a recent example in the last year or so that you two have had to compromise on in your marriage? Oh, compromise. Um, I feel like we compromise pretty often um, or at least try to. I, the thing that comes to mind first is, um, so I have been very, like, I've gotten really into hiking and just, um, exploring, you know, different national parks and, um, state parks and local, whatever, just getting outside. I've been, you know, I've gotten really into that over the last, um, few years, you know, with the outdoor journal tour and kind of, um, you know, solo and individually, like it's kind of taken on this whole, thing of its own. And as much as Kenya, you know, loves the outdoor journal tour and loves being outside, she doesn't necessarily, um, have the same passion for it. Um, in her free time, it's not necessarily, um, uh, her go-to, you know, for her just being outside and, you know, sitting and, you know, maybe journaling or, you know, just sitting is, is, what she, you know, what she would go to. And for me, it's, you know, um, you know, being active, it's, uh, hiking or whatever. So, you know, there's always like this, uh, you know, dynamic of if we go travel somewhere, like how much are we going to go do? And, you know, she's definitely more of a night owl. So we went to, I actually had to go to Vegas for work. And usually when I go out there, I try to tack on a couple additional days to, um, you know, visit a park or, you know, do something. Um, and Kenya was coming with me. So, you know, we had a conversation before and I'm like, okay, so these are things that I want to do. Are you okay with that? Or is there something else you want to do? Whatever. And to the point where it's like, well, if you don't want to do this, then don't come, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, probably not the nicest, but, uh, that's just where we were. <laughs> but, you know, the compromise was not, camping, like not sleeping in the back of the rental car, uh, you know, out at the park, it was going during the day, you know, you know, checking out trails, enjoying it. And then, you know, driving back to a hotel and sleeping in a bed, you know, and staying in Vegas and, you know, staying up late one night and doing the whole Vegas thing, you know, so we both kind of get some of what we enjoy. Yeah. I mean, that that's such a great example. I also feel like that um, ties into what you were saying at the beginning of like trying to be less kind of black and white, all or nothing, right? It's not like you, yeah. the only, it's only fun if you like sleep outside the entire time, right? right. Like, it's like, hey, there actually is a, like, there are middle grounds for things. And I feel like I need that reminder constantly that it doesn't have to be like the most intense or extreme version of the thing in order to be enjoyable for me. 
Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So something that I have heard you talk about before, or at least mention, is what you call adventurecations. Will you share yeah. <laughs> what you mean by that? What is an adventurecation? Um, I actually would call that trip to, Ve- to Vegas an adventurecation. <laughs> um, you know, I think I always grew up thinking about vacation as like a beach um, you know, a resort somewhere where you kind of chill and don't do much or, you know, maybe some sightseeing or something like that. But, um, like I said, I've really gotten into, um, exploring, you know, some of our public lands, some of our, you know, parks and some of the really cool places that we have in this country, um, and kind of combining that, like, why does it have to be separate? Why is it different? Like, this is this is how I'm choosing to vacation. So I was like, it is an adventure-cation. Um, so yeah, like this year I went to Moab with two friends um, and we did arches and Canyonlands. And I also went to um, Yellowstone, the Grand Tetons with another set of friends and, you know, just do, you know, do the whole thing. Like, treat it, you know, the same way you would a, a, you know, a vacation, like being a quote unquote tourist in that space and, you know, exploring the place that you're going and doing something new and, um, yeah, adventurecationing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you and I would be very good adventurecation buddies. I am deeply interested in all the things that you just said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what first got you into hiking? I think that, I mean, I've always kind of, um, I've always been active, um, which probably, um, and I'm going to go off, uh, uh, the question just for a second, but I promise it'll connect. (laughs) I've always, um, you know, I've always kind of had this complex with my weight. You know, I was always the, you know, the heavier girl in the group, um, had boobs before all of my friends, like, you know, I've always been curvy. So I think when I was younger, it started out as, you know, wanting to be active because I wanted to be smaller because smaller meant good, you know, to 12 year old Michelle or 13 or 14 or 15 year old Michelle, you know? Um, so I, I found myself, you know, trying to do those things for those reasons. But I think over the years, I realized that, you know, there was a lot more to it than that, that I really enjoyed how I felt when I was doing active things. So, you know, sometimes it was in a gym, sometimes it was, you know, running outside, um, you know, or going for walks and, you know, eventually it, it led to hiking and probably, I mean, as a kid, I mean, I grew up in Germany and I don't think we called it hiking, (laughs) but we would go for walks in the woods all the time. Like my, my opa, my, um, grandfather, um, you know, after dinner, whatever, like we would always go for walks in in the woods around their house. So, um, you know, I think in a way, you know, it's kind of been there. Um, but as an adult, um, it was just a means of trying something different, um, of keeping that activity. And, um, it started, I went to, um, Stone Mountain and I'd been there many times before, um, so that was kind of the the extent of the hiking <laughs> that I did for a period of time. Um, but, you know, as we kind of started creating the Outdoor Journal Tour, I was, you know, very motivated to explore other spaces and, you know, see what else I could find and share that with other people. And it just, I mean, it's just grown so much. You know, I see, you know, a place that's super beautiful. I'm just like, oh, my God, how does this exist? You know, and then, and then it just repeat. <laughs> 
in another place, you know? And of course, Instagram is fantastic for that because you see all of these amazing pictures of all these beautiful places and just kind of start making a list of all the places that you want to go and explore. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's really felt, it's just felt good. Um, you know, I feel just very in my body, in my person and just, you know, happy. Yeah, I I love that. And I can relate to so much of that. I feel like something I've been thinking about as someone who likes to do like quite long distance backpacking, um, I find that sometimes I can get into the space, like I said before, of like, it has to be the most extreme version of the thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. my, and not necessarily for like to be impressive or anything like my brain just goes to like, what's the most outlandish thing I can think of? I wonder if I could do that. It's like definitely an innate personality thing. And it gives me a lot of joy to do those things. So it's not something that I'm necessarily trying to change, but I have been trying to also remind myself that it's really fun to go spend a couple of hours outside. Like it doesn't have to be a three month thing or nothing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember um, when we were together in in September, you mentioned that you wanted to get into maybe more like camping backpacking stuff. Tell me about that. Yeah. um, I, I haven't really, I mean, I've done one overnight backpacking trip actually with REI. Um, so that was really kind of the extent of it. Everything else has been um, car camping, glamping, that sort of thing. Um, but I really like the idea of, um, you know, kind of carrying what you need on your back um, and waking up, you know, out in the backcountry somewhere in middle of the woods or mountains or wherever, um, you know, just with everything that you've carried out. I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure if I will love it. But I want to try it and I want to see, you know, how it feels. Um, And I think I probably, probably am very similar to you in that way. I don't necessarily want to do, you know, long distance hiking, but my brain definitely goes to, um, you know, what else can I do? (laughs) Like, how much further can I go? But I try, I'm trying to kind of keep it to, what like what feels good like what am i enjoying and if i don't enjoy something i don't have to do it you know and it's okay it doesn't you know make me a shitty outdoors person <laughs> it just is something that i don't necessarily like to do oh but my God. um yeah Can you I don't say have all of that again forever yet. yes yes <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping, um, I don't have anything planned yet, but Myrna has mentioned, um, and I think you, you probably know her, the Myrna Vader mm-hmm. has mentioned wanting to do a backpacking trip next year. Um, so I need to talk to her about that and see if I can make that happen. Oh my God. How do I get on the invite list for or this trip? May- <laughs> or maybe I can go with my friend Nicole somewhere. Oh my God. Or maybe both. Cause that sounds incredible. Or maybe both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's interesting what you said about, you know, if I don't like it, why do it? I feel like that's one of those questions that can be asked in kind of a throwaway manner and yet is so important because this, I mean, again, something that I struggle with is someone who like, I am very much a type two fun enthusiast. Like I am, Mm -hmm. I am very comfortable with like this absolutely sucks in the moment. And like, I know that I will be so thrilled that I did this. Right. Yeah. And I know the difference between that and this really isn't joyful for me. Right. And sometimes the situation can look the same from the outside. Right. Like I've had people ask me questions of like, why do you keep going on these long hikes? If you like seem like you're mostly miserable and I'm like, but I'm not really like I enjoy, you know, (laughs) and it's, there's, there's something in that, right. That's obviously like more layered, more complex. I've done like in higher solo episodes after hikes sort of talking about that. So I don't like need to go into that again, but I do think like what you said about like, you can try it. And if it's not for you, that's fine. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, it's interesting and I was going to say, you know, the outdoor industry is a very interesting one, but um, because of that reason, but honestly, it's not just the outdoor industry. It's, it's every industry, it's every place. Like it's human nature. Like we, we like to um, like create these hierarchies of, of, you know, what's the absolute best and what's the greatest. And there, and again, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of that or achieving that, but like feeling like you have to do these things in order to be you know, um, included in that community or to, you know, to be able to call yourself a hiker or backpacker or whatever. I mean, when I kind of started getting into more outdoor stuff, I started with Black Girls Run. And, um, you know, one of the first things that I heard and one of the reasons why I really enjoyed it and wanted to be a part of the the group was they're like, you know, you're, you're running right now. So you're a runner, period. <laughs> Like there is no, you know, qualifications for, you know, and we do that. Like there's so we we create all these qualifications for who's acceptable, um, you know, to call themselves whatever, you know, hiker, swimmer, biker, whatever. And it's like, but you're doing the thing, like you're doing it. So why, why aren't you, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's silly when you say it that way, but I mean, it's absolutely, you know, how it shows up in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, I think that that hierarchy that you're speaking of is, yeah, it's so prevalent. And again, sort of like what we were talking about with the romantic relationship stuff of like, what's just baked into the culture and we don't even necessarily think to question it. Like I, I started yeah. noticing it. I I run off and on a little bit now, but I ran really seriously for like four years and it would I would always notice it because I started out as a complete, complete beginner, right? Like could barely run for two minutes, like really came from what I felt like was like a super beginner status, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. ability with running. And so I kind of went through the whole progression of, you know, being a beginner and then like running longer and longer distances, right. And running marathons and doing that. And it was always interesting when I would talk to people, you know, like, oh, you know, like I just run a couple of times a week, but like, I'm not training for anything or it's only a 5k or like there's this yeah. real, and it happened. I noticed it a lot. Um, in 2018, when I was hiking on, on the PCT, um, you know, for an attempted through hike that I wound up quitting, but when I was in the Sierra and would meet other cross paths with hikers that were doing the, um, the JMT, the John Muir trail. And, you know, yeah. they would hear that I was, you know, trying to hike the whole PCT and it would be like, oh, we're just doing, you know, we're only doing the JMT. Yeah. It's nothing like that. And I'm like, what do you want? Like, just for First of yeah. all, like I'm, you know what I mean. It's not like a judgment thing, and also like awesome. Enjoy the outdoors however you want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We need more of that. <laughs> agreed. Yes, very much agreed. Um, uh, last thing I want to ask about this sort of potential, you know, backpacking, you know, things for you. Um, you talked about the idea of something that excites you of kind of waking up in the backcountry and having all your stuff on your back and and that. Do you feel like there's anything either that's been holding you back or any particular fears you have about it? I think, you know, my biggest fear is, and I'm, I'm definitely not ready to do something like that on my own. So, uh, you know, I would really, you know, my desire would be to do it, you know, with someone else who, you know, wants to kind of do that same sort of thing. Um, but I think if I'm honest, my biggest fear is really just discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I, when you kind of break it down to the, to the root of it all, it's really just discomfort. Like sleeping on the ground isn't really that comfy, like carrying, you know, 30 pounds or whatever on your back isn't really that comfortable. Like, <laughs> 
hiking however far with said pack is not, you know, super comfortable. So I think just, um, you know, the discomfort and, you know, physically, you know, am I, I mean, I think that I logically know that I can do it, but is it going to be a white knuckling type thing Mm -hmm. or is it going to be, you know, something that I'm just doing? Yeah. Something that I think about a lot is sort of the fantasy of the thing versus the reality of the thing. Yeah. And I think that that, um, for me, came up a lot. I mean, I, I feel like the theme of this, like, stories that I'm telling you are, hey, I just, like, jump into something that I was a complete beginner and, like, go way too far, which <laughs> is who I am. But, you know, I had never gone, you know, camping or backpacking, really, like, a night in my life. I did, like, a tiny test trip before, you know, my first month-long hike. and was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go do this for a month now, which, like, I don't necessarily yeah. recommend that as the strategy because yeah. I was quite miserable and, like, really didn't have any idea what I was doing. But a lot of it for me was you know, the fantasy of the thing was all the really pretty pictures on Instagram and people say that they love this so much. And like the reality of the thing for me at the beginning was like, okay, maybe it's like that for five or 10 minutes a day. And the rest of it was like really hard and horrible. And I kind of had to come to terms with like, let me pull back a little bit and like pick apart what did I think this was going to be versus what is it actually? And I didn't wind up loving backpacking until I was able to love the reality of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. It does. So, yes, you let me know. I will come with you anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned the Outdoor Journal Tour a couple times. um, And obviously, when Kenya was on, we did quite a deep dive about that. But for folks maybe who haven't listened to that episode yet, can you give a kind of intro explanation of what it is? Yeah, of course. Um, So the Outdoor Journal Tour um, is uh, what we like to call a hybrid health and wellness organization where we merge outdoor activity with uh, mindfulness. Um, And really the goal is introspection um, and connection, you know, connecting with ourselves, uh, connecting with, you know, our community around us, connecting with the land, um, you know, connection, whatever, whatever that looks like for every individual, but just kind of, um, serving it up in a different type of environment in a different, you know, platform with different faces leading it, um, you know, just creating a space for a different, you know, a different modality for wellness, you know, and sometimes it is um, just a hike uh, where we, you know, laugh and giggle and tell stories and, you know, journal and have a great time. And sometimes it is, you know, sharing some um, very deep insecurities and traumas and, you know, having discussions about that and, you know, trying to support each other in that, um, you know, and sometimes it's somewhere in between, um, but it creates this space, it creates this community, and it really kind of just introduces um, women, especially women of color, women who don't typically hike or go outdoors or uh, maybe don't enjoy the outdoors in that way, um, gives them an opportunity to kind of see um, and experience um, that in a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my, I know this isn't realistic. My hope for everyone listening is that they get the opportunity to go yeah. on um, an event with you. That was Mine my too. favorite, <laughs> hands down, my favorite part of the retreat that we were at together um, oh, in September. Um, and I feel like it, w- it was not too long after that I emailed you, you both to be like, okay, what are the rates? How do I like hire you to bring this to an yeah. event of mine? Like it was really just phenomenal, um, the experience that you create. 
thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad that you were there and that you got to experience that and enjoy it and everything. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that these spaces are beautiful. Like, I mean, it just, um, you know, it, it just elicits this um, calm, um, sometimes even creativity and just openness. Um, no, it just it can be it can be very like a really just beautiful and fulfilling experience. What are the specifics of your role with Outdoor Journal Tour? Like, how do you and Kenya divide responsibilities? Um, well, you know, that's probably <laughs> to go back to the earlier conversation. Um, working with your partner that has been interesting over the years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, uh, but you know, what we found is, you know, Kenya is, you know, she's very, um, she's very creative and she's very intuitive and she really has, um, a gift. People want to share things with her. <laughs> like they just do. There's just something about her where, you know, they're just drawn to sharing things with her and, you know, she's a beautiful writer and content creator. So, um, that's kind of her, her realm. And then, um, you know, for me, it is, um, kind of connecting the dots, um, sharing the information with people, um, scouting out locations, uh, you know, I'm out and, you know, doing adventures and hiking on my own and just kind of finding places that would work well for a group. I am, you know, kind of, I would say the, the operations piece of it, the, the business manager piece of it while, um, you know, Kenya is kind of more the, the content piece. But I mean, mm-hmm. anytime you're running, you know, a business organization, there's so many pieces, so many, uh, you know, different moving parts um, that sometimes those things crisscross. You know, I run the social media. Um, I, I mean, I write a lot of it. Um, she writes a lot of it. I think um, a lot of her followers can typically tell the difference between our voices. <laughs> I tend to use a lot of exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. That's funny. <laughs> um, so it's not, you know, like this, you know, cut and dry kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to make it work, you know, to our strengths. I love like budgeting uh, finances. I love, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So I handle, you know, the books for, um, for the business and that sort of thing. And um, Kenya is really great at, you know, just coming up with new ideas and different ways of connecting with people and, um, we just try to play to our strengths. Yeah. So you obviously, you know, have have a big role in this business, but you also have a full-time other career, right? I do. I do. I like to say that I have two full-time jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. So I'm a sales and service manager for an airline catering company. Um, so like, what does that mean, right? <laughs> Um, I, um, basically, uh, most people who have flown have seen, um, you know, the catering trucks on the aircraft and I basically liaise between our airline partners and our kitchens, um, do like menu presentations and, um, like internal audits and, you know, support the kitchens and different initiatives and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a very kind of multi-role, um, if you will, but, um, I've been there for 12 years, which is crazy, (laughs) but I realized that I've been there for that long because, um, 
because I have so much flexibility with it. And I mean, I have been able to, you know, really juggle both of these roles. And of course, I, you know, sometimes wish I had more time or, you know, I wish, you know, something was was different. But I mean, I really uh, am like super grateful for the flexibility that I have with it. Um, and of course, I travel a lot, which makes things difficult sometimes. But in all that traveling, I also um, have, you know, the opportunity to collect Sky Miles and that just funds more adventurecations. So... <laughs> <laughs> So everything connects. So everything connects. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, something that folks might know about me, I'm like very voyeuristically nerdy, interested in like other people's scheduling processes. Like Mm -hmm. I recently did on my Instagram stories, like I kind of a detailed look. And I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Like how I plan and manage my time is basically like a planner tour, right? And even as I was doing it, I'm like the amount of people that are going to be interested enough to go through this like in-depth look at my planner is probably like a very small subset of people who are like my deep people, right? (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, obviously, you know, you work full time, you have such a time and labor intensive kind of like passion side job project or two full-time jobs, as you described it, being married, having your own personal hobbies, et cetera. Can you share some of the nitty gritty reality of how you manage or schedule or like plan out your time and energy? What does that look like for you? Oh, um, <laughs> I deep have, side. yeah, I have <laughs> to say that I like my idea of myself is like this beautiful planner, like just like yours, but that is not my reality. <laughs> it is not my reality. Um, I am a big fan of lists, but I put everything in my phone. Um, so as far as like, you know, scheduling and stuff, everything is in my phone, but I actually like to like hand write to do lists. Um, and I actually told Kenya the other day, I said, is it weird that I will add something to my to-do list that I've already done just to mark it off. <laughs> She's like, yes. I mean, same. Who doesn't do that? Please. <laughs> She's like, yes. Yes, that no. is weird. She's in- you tell her that she is incorrect. <laughs> the people have spoken. <laughs> I agree. I think it's perfectly normal and healthy, matter of fact. But um, <laughs> Us recovering perfectionists, we need the wins where we can get them. Let us check shit off the list. <laughs> it's just so gratifying. And I just really like, I don't know, it's, it's silly, but I really enjoy it. But one thing that I do, um, like I want to get better at um, just pl- like more long-term planning, I straddle like this kind of weird space. Like I really like spontaneity and I really like like to be inspired by things, but then I also really like planning, but not in every aspect of my life. So, um, you know, there's some, you know, some pieces that don't always come together the way I would like them to. And, you know, when I, when something does come up and I'm like, oh man, you know, we could have done this and this and this, and, um, you know, all of these things, all these areas of opportunities, because that's, you know, the perfectionist in me speaking. But, um, my big thing is to-do lists. I will write everything down, like just brain dump, and then just kind of circle the things that like I have to do, like in whatever time period I'm, you know, kind of looking at at the moment um, and try to do it. And sometimes, honestly, I'll have the same to-do list for many, many days (laughs) Um, and just not feel motivated to do things. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like perfect chaos. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's funny that you mentioned having this like vision of yourself as someone who has the really pretty planner. Let me tell you, whiteout is a really good (laughs) tool for that is my secret to the planner is like things get whited out and moved around a lot lot, because I write in pen. So that's that's the secret. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I really connect with what you were saying about like wanting some things to be really scheduled and also wanting spontaneity. Something that I'm trying to practice um, relatively unsuccessfully, I'm not great at it if I'm being honest, is like scheduling in blank space. Like basically it's like, hey, this is like a four hour time block that I'm like purposely not going to schedule anything else so that when that like beginning of that four hours comes, I can say, hey, what do I feel like doing? And I'm just notoriously awful at like actually leaving blank space for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely understand that. I think, um, I think I probably underestimate how long things take. I have not, um, quite mastered that. So I tend to not give myself enough time, um, for certain things. And it always surprises me when things take longer. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, such is life. (laughs) What do you feel like is one of the things that will most quickly get sacrificed? Like when there's a lot on your plate? Who, um, you know, honestly, it depends on how I'm feeling because if I'm feeling creative and inspired, like the, you know, copy driven things or the content driven things I'll want to do first. But if I'm not, I will put that off. Um, Mm -hmm. and part of the reason why we've kind of, um, kind of, I don't want to say struggled with social media, um, but just haven't quite found a rhythm because I, like I said, I really, I, I like to, you know, have authentic voice. Um, you know, I want to be inspired. I don't want to just write things to write things, but you know, when you are running an organization that you want people to be a part of, you kind of have to have a presence and, you know, kind of have to have, you know, regular dialogue, um, which is something, you know, it's an area of opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, we can talk about that like privately for a very long time because I am in that exact same space. I feel, I mean, at this point, I feel like people are like really sick of me saying something along the lines of like how stressed out I've been about Instagram this year in particular, but it all comes down to exactly what you just said. The like only wanting to do something that feels like it's from like a really authentic place, especially when like you are your brand, right? For lack of a better way to describe it. And it's like, not like, okay, well, I decided Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was going to do these things. Like, even though that's what I'm quote supposed to do, like I've gone in a lot of circles around that and I have no good answers at all. So if you find one, please tell me. (laughs) Yeah. I trust me. I will, I will keep trying and keep looking. And, you know, I've tried in the past, like when I am feeling inspired to just like write whatever, write as much as I can. But, um, it's not often that I give myself really, you know, enough time to do that, you know, and it's like, can I get three or four posts out of this one topic? Eh, maybe not. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I don't know. First world problems. <laughs> I mean, very much so, right? Like a hundred percent. Like, And still it doesn't mean that it's not frustrating, right? Absolutely. Like, but, Absolutely. Um, how do you feel about the phrase work-life balance? Um, I think that it's interesting. I think that I'm very lucky because I have so much flexibility. But I think that it's really important to understand what that means for you. You know, I think every person needs a different, you know, balance will look different for different people. And, 
you know, some people really, you know, thrive off of their work and kind of come alive in that. And, you know, other people, maybe not so much, and maybe their work is not necessarily their passion and, you know, they want to spend more time on their passion. And, um, you know, I think it's different for everyone. And I think that, you know, some people have more luxury than others to mm-hmm. create that, you know, I mean, uh, that's why I said, I think, you know, I'm really lucky to have a flexibility um, in doing that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is figuring out, you know, what fuels you and, you know, what does balance look like? You know, what does your life look like outside of work, you know, and, and what, what is it that, you know, you're wanting, like, you know, what's, what's your, you know, passion? Yeah, I, I guess, like, understandably, given the the conversation that we have just had, can have issues with the word balance, right? I'm like, what does that mean? Does yeah. that mean it has to be, like, balanced every single day? Like, I think of it more of, like, sort of chapters or seasons, right? Like, maybe yeah. this is a period of time that's, like, very creativity intensive or very work intensive. And also, like you just said, the flexibility to do that comes a lot from the fact that I work for myself, right? right. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm aware of the inherent sort of luxury and privilege of that as well. And I don't know. I feel like you have a unique perspective of having both a successful, like more corporate career and an income generating, highly visible, like self-driven creative project with Outdoor Journal Tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm interested if you feel like there's anything that you've like learned about being in either or both of those worlds that's either like helped the other. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're straddling something that's interesting. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, I've been in corporate America, you know, since I graduated from college and, um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of gravitate away from that, but I, I mean, I have to say that I've really learned a lot, um, you know, and a lot of very practical things that have really helped um, with the Outdoor Journal Tour. I mean, you know, just exposure to different things, um, you know, for me, the travel, um, you know, uh, even like you know, trade shows, uh, just, uh, you know, a, a a whole spectrum of different things that I've, that I've learned and, you know, the financial piece, you know, what is a PL? What does it look like? What is it made of? <laughs> like all of these things where, you know, as a new business, maybe it's not super important to have a PL, but, um, you know, I mean, you, you have to, uh, well, you don't have to, but it would probably be good to have some sort of, you know, uh, tracking of, of, you know, whatever you have coming in and what's going out and what your goals are and all of that. I mean, I think that I've learned a lot and I think that I've been able to use a lot of that, um, you know, in, you know, creating and sustaining and growing the Outdoor Journal Tour. Um, And I think honestly, vice versa, I think having the Outdoor Journal Tour, you know, even though at times, you know, both are, you know, stressful in one way or another, I think, you know, having the Outdoor Journal Tour does um, create this kind of... (sighs) Almost, I don't want to say sense of purpose because that sounds really like grand, I guess. But in a in a way, it is that. And and the outdoor journal tour has also allowed me to, you know, really settle more into who I am and to be more, um, you know, open to just showing up as I am. I mean, there's a lot of different, um, you know intersectionalities of just being a woman, being a, you know, a woman of color, being a lesbian in a corporate space and, you know, uh, you know, having the confidence to just be that (laughs) and not, you know, feel like I need to be, you know, some, somebody else. But again, I think, you know, I've, 
you know, I'm really in, uh, you know, a great position and I have, you know, a lot of privilege in that and a lot of, you know, just, it's not all luck. You know, a lot of it is, is things that I have, you know, done over the years and, and work that I have put in, but, um, it definitely is, um, you know, a privilege and absolutely a blessing, um, you know, just to be able to have that. Yeah, I when we were talking before about the kind of what's wrong with me that I can't just pick one thing and like stay with it forever, that that's my like passion forever or my purpose forever. And one of the things in sort of unlearning that and making peace with you know, more of my true nature has been realizing that like similarly to to the not having to find like your romantic partner is like the center of your life and meets all of your needs. Mm-hmm. Like I think the same can possibly like the same viewpoint can be adopted for like a job, right? Or mm-hmm. a hobby or like I find personally that I am more fulfilled when like all the eggs aren't in one basket, whatever that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's like, if I'm looking at this is the thing that has to like earn me full-time income and it also has to meet like all of my creative passions and I have to have colleagues that I really like and I have to like, sure, that's great if that can happen, but there can be so much pressure on that that takes away my ability to enjoy, like maybe it's only meets two of the four and then those other two things are met elsewhere. And it's just... I don't know. There's like something about that that I used to find frustrating. Like, why can't I like thread this needle to find the thing, mm-hmm, you know, but hearing mm-hmm. you talk about that, I, I like hear a lot of echoes of, you know, this is great for this. This is great for this. And, you know, maybe the sort of size of each puzzle piece will look different over time, but having multiple things, there can be like a real gift in that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the interesting thing of what you just said, and I guess almost kind of the joke in life is that things won't always show up the way you think they will. They won't always look the way you think they should, you know, um, you know, like you said, it might not be one thing that checks every single box, you know, maybe it's two things or maybe it's whatever, however many things it is. But when, you know, the underlying thing that we're looking for is a feeling, right? Like, like we want to, you know, find joy and we want to, um, you know, feel accomplished and successful and all these feelings that we want to have, um, and when you start looking at the things in your life, like what, like what kind of feelings are these, um, you know, bringing up for you? Like what, what is this creating for you? And you know, that brings the other side of the question too: is if it's if it's not something good, then do you have the option to maybe you know change that thing? <laughs> Yeah, I love that question of kind of how do you want to feel and how is this thing making you feel? Um, I guess kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. When you think of the next, I don't know, like six to 12 months of your life, what comes up for you in terms of like feelings that you're craving? How would you love to feel? Oh, man. You know, the first thing that always comes to mind is joy. Um, Like just like, you know, just joy, like in whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be this big thing. Sometimes it's these fleeting moments, but just like pure, like joy, (laughs) you know, like just feeling like you're in the right place. Like you're, um, you know, just so grateful for, for where you are in that moment and just engulfed by everything that is, I definitely want more of that. And I think, that can look many different ways, <laughs> which is hard to answer. You know, um, I don't think it's a finite thing. I think it's many different things. You know, I think, you know, for me, it's traveling, it's uh, more adventure It's, you know, um, 
you know, Kenya and I continuing on kind of in this uh, journey of marriage and, you know, what that looks like and, and my own uh, journey and who I am and, you know, trying to be more present and um, just trying to learn more and, you know, just all, all the, all the good stuff, (laughs) but also being able to, um, you know, yield to those not so great moments too. And, and to, you know, try to, you know, get whatever lesson is in that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's so beautifully said. I actually think that's a really good place to start to wrap up. Is there anything, um, I know we've covered a lot of ground, but is there anything that you really wanted to talk about that hasn't come up yet? Um, not that I can think of. One thing that I do want to share, just a kind of a thought is, um, I've started, um, like I've gone off and on with, um, you know, reading different books. Um, there was a time where I, all I did was read and then I didn't read for a really long time. And then, you know, it was, it was nonfiction and then it was only fiction. And, um, I've started kind of reading different things at, a, at you know, different times and, I'm reading The Power of Now um, for the first time, um, and I tried to read it before, and I just was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to read this. Um, So I would just say, you know, to try to find... find the thing that that speaks to you or that works works for you, because I've just found that, like, um, learning things from different people um, can sometimes be overwhelming because everybody has, you know a different point of view, a different lesson or whatever, but, you know, trying to get information from many different sources and then, you know, figure out what, you know, how that works for you, what that means for you and kind of what you can create. Yeah. I also unsuccessfully tried to read The Power of Now back in like 2012. So maybe I will give that another shot. Um, So the way that we end these episodes are are with some rapid fire-ish questions that were chosen by our lovely Patreon community. If you are down to answer eight random questions. Absolutely. What are a few of the qualities that you personally look for in your friendships? Ooh, um, uh, honesty, um, I think honesty is the most important thing, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Go with that. Yeah. What's something that you no longer believe either about yourself or something in your worldview in general, maybe that you used to believe, but no longer do? Oh man, that I no longer believe. I no longer believe that there's a right and wrong. I'm going to stop myself from asking many follow-up questions about that because that's a very interesting answer. (laughs) Um, What's one thing that you will always happily splurge on? Travel. Mm, Which leads into the next question. What is your current dream trip? Oh, so many. Um, (laughs) Off your very long list. Yeah. (laughs) So many, um, but the first thing that comes to mind is going back to Greece um, and doing some island hopping and um, just enjoying the beautiful, beautiful country. That sounds incredible. Yes. If you had a magic wand that could instantly solve one specific problem in the world, what would you use it on? Oh, man, that's hard. I think I would say homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> completely different question. What's your favorite snack these days? <laughs> From homelessness to snacks. <laughs> My favorite snack. Um, it, you know, it really depends on the moment. Um, I, what do I like? Um, well, the recent thing is dried mangoes and dried apricots. Um, but I also love like candy, like Haribo gummy bears. Um, but I don't know if that's really a snack. That's more of like, a- I mean, anything's a snack with the right attitude. Right, right? Exactly. <laughs> Is that our tagline from this episode? There you go. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Um, so I know you mentioned the power of now, um, but this question's about books as well. Which two or three books, any kind of book, any genre, would you say have either had the biggest impact on you or that you find yourself recommending or rereading most often? Oh, man. Okay. So um, I would say Codependent No More, which is like the worst title of a book ever, but it was really, 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 really a good book. Um, And I really enjoyed The Year of Yes, too, um, Shonda Rhimes. Um, It was a really fun read. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, We, Kenya and I kind of like uh, make comments about it now. Like if I'm laying on the couch, I'll say I'm I'm doing veal practice. (laughs) (laughs) book. Um, yeah, I think those are the two, those are the two that come to, to mind and I'm only halfway through the power of now. So I'll let you know when I finish it, but the first half has been really good. Oh, and one other one, um, um, what is it called? Um, it's Esther and Jerry Hicks. Um, I think it's at, yeah, asking it is given. Um, and like I said, I went through a long phase that I didn't read nonfiction, but this one, um, just right time, right place, I guess. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. The right time, right place thing is funny. I I will tell you, I got like kind of goosebumps. You're the third person this week that has either in passing or otherwise mentioned codependent no more. So now I'm like, okay, maybe I'm interested in that because you know, when something just like pops up a bunch of times, um, yeah. That is okay, the universe so, giving you a message. Okay, the universe, you win. <laughs> I will check I, out this book. I'm telling you the title is terrible. Like, I hate the title. I wish you would have called it something else, but it's a it's a really good book. I had so many aha moments. Okay. All right. I'll give it a chance. Uh, last <laughs> question. If you could leave our community of the listeners with one call to action, what would it be? Maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action to take? I think it would be a question. Um, how do you show up in the world? Hmm. That's a lovely question. Thanks. That's a good one. What is the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have a favorite way to connect with new folks? Yeah, on the gram. Um, like I said, I run um, the Outdoor Journal Tour Instagram. We're on Facebook as well, but um, definitely more um kind of active on Instagram at Outdoor Journal Tour. And then of course, um, on our website as well, OutdoorJournalTour.com and uh, WeHikeToHeal.org. Perfect. I will put all of that in the show notes. And um, again, if anyone listening hasn't also listened to Kenya's episode to learn more about Outdoor Journal Tour and We Hike to Heal and all of that, all of that good stuff is covered there too. But Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. 
Speaking of the Real Talk Radio family, I want to give a huge shout out to Adam Day, my producer and sound engineer. Adam created the music for this show, and he makes everything work and flow and sound way better than I ever could. You can find him and his music and his sound editing work at adamday.net, so go say hi. And as I said way back at the very top of the episode, this is a 100% listener-supported show. The show is made possible by awesome people like Kira. Hi, Kira. Hello. So we're going to do a fun little round of rapid-fire questions if you're ready. I am so ready. Tell me something that you're feeling particularly proud of from this year so far. Oh, so I am on an internship placement for my master's right now. Um, So I'm working in a hospital supporting kids and their families on the pediatric ward. And I just feel like I've found my calling (laughs) and I'm just loving every moment I'm there. And I just feel really proud of every, all the work that I did to get here and what I'm able to do for the families in the hospital. Mm, What a gift to feel that way about what you spend so much time doing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's especially after spending so many years doing education for different things and then finding something that really clicks and makes me happy. Um, I feel like I'm in the right career. So yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm always so interested in hearing people's career paths and sort of the winding turns that they took. I think sometimes there's this idea that, okay, well, you know, by the time you're 12 years old, you have to know what your thing is, and then you have to do that thing forever. And that's not been the case for pretty much anyone I've ever talked to. And so it's always nice to, not that, you know, you want people to have like bumps and false starts and that kind of stuff, but it is always nice to hear when it's like, okay, it wasn't clicking, it wasn't clicking, I wasn't enjoying it. And then I did find something. Definitely. Yeah. Um, What's one thing that you think people would be surprised to learn about you? Surprise. Yeah. My first instinct, whenever anyone asks me anything about myself, I'm like, I'm obsessed with Harry Potter, but I feel like everyone knows that about me. (laughs) Um, I think what people will be surprised to learn is that I'm actually an introvert because when I talk to people and when I'm doing my job and any time that I'm out and about, I act very extroverted. Um, so people just kind of assume, but I'm definitely an introvert in the sense that I need to be by myself to kind of get my energy back. And I do find it really exhausting to be around other people all day. So I think that that's something that usually shocks people because they don't really necessarily know that what front you put on isn't always what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, Bonus question, which Harry Potter house are you in? I'm in Ravenclaw. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I'm I'm in Slytherin, obviously. I feel like I, everyone knows I know. that. <laughs> <laughs> What's something that's bringing you a lot of joy lately? I would say hiking and the mountains. So I am from Ontario where mountains are in short supply. And I had never seen a mountain in my life until I drove out here at the beginning of September um, to Vancouver, where I am now. And Every time I see a mountain, whether I'm hiking or just driving down the highway and they're on the horizon, it just brings me so much joy. And I don't know what I'm going to do without them because I'm heading back home in December. Um, and I know that that's what I'm going to be missed the most for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel similarly after moving to Bend and getting to be in a mountain town and I've never been to Vancouver. I spent time up there, but it's on my very long list of, you know, everywhere to go. <laughs> I feel like the outdoorsing from what I've heard is really good up there. Oh yeah. Like you'd only need to go 20, 30 minutes out of the city and 
bam, you're in the mountains. So yeah, bend is the same. Yeah. What's one thing that you've read or watched or listened to lately that you loved and want to recommend? Other than Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, Um, always the perpetual recommendation, right? (laughs) If someone listening hasn't read Harry Potter, fix your life, it's fine. Please do. Or if you don't have time, listen to the audiobooks. Jim Dale, awesome narrator. I listen or read them at least once a year. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I love it. Um, I would say one that I love to recommend to people is The Glass Castle by um, Jeanette Walls. So I've actually reread it a few times. It's just, it's about her life. So it is a memoir. But she has a really dysfunctional family growing up. And I feel like that's not something that people share a lot or talk about. And it's just so interesting watching her move from this dysfunctional family, but still having like a relationship with her parents and her siblings and kind of going on to become an author. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, I read that. I mean, I feel like it was years and years ago at this point, but I remember really enjoying it too. So good recommendation. Last question. What's one thing that you wish people were more open and honest about? So going on that theme, I would say probably family relationships, because Mm -hmm. I feel like so many people will often integrate into their story what a wonderful relationship they had with their parents or with their siblings. And being someone who comes from a little bit of a strained relationship with my family, I feel like it's not talked about enough, especially when um, there's drug abuse involved or any kind of childhood trauma. I don't hear about that a lot, but I do know it's out there. So I wish that people talked more about that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I also find myself um, craving more honesty about things that maybe were strained with your family or that you struggled with, but that weren't necessarily super dramatic. I feel like a lot of the stories that are told are like both ends of the spectrum, right? Like so incredible or, you know, like so traumatic and both of those deserve to be told. But I think there's a lot of folks that are somewhere in the middle and, you know, kind of hearing reality about that. I feel like would, you know, I'm interested in that as well. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I feel like something that I also do a lot in my work is that we talk about how, you know, something could be huge for one person and so small for another person. So, you know, even if something that doesn't seem so dramatic happened with your family, it might weigh on your heart a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to share that and normalize it a little bit more so that people know, you know what, you can share these struggles if it's not on one side of the spectrum or another. Yeah, there doesn't need to be this like hierarchy of suffering. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. So you're a member of our Patreon support squad, which means that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible since you make a small and powerful reoccurring per episode pledge that helps to fund the costs of producing the show and paying the guests and all of that, for which I'm super grateful. And I would love for you to share why you decided to support the show and why you keep supporting it. Yeah. So I actually found the show um, on Pinterest. I was looking at lists of podcasts to listen to. That's so funny. Um, I've never heard that from anyone. They found the show through Pinterest. That's amazing. (laughs) I wish I could tell you what blog it was on, but I have no idea. Um, And so I listened to probably like the most recent episode and then loved it and started from the beginning. And so as I was listening to it over months and months of, you know, starting from season one and moving on, I started to get scared that I would run out of episodes, which I find happens with a lot of podcasts because some podcasts run out of money or, you know, some, it's just not um, in their best interest anymore to make the podcast. And I was realized, you know, I don't want this to end, at least not soon. So I thought, you know, I really want to support it. 
Um, and I loved becoming a part of the Patreon community. I love all the bonus content. Um, I love the links that you send. So all of that kind of came into play, um, especially because I'm a student. And I know a lot of students will say like they can't afford to support things, but I value the conversations that you have way more than a couple dollars, which is all it costs. So I just feel like for what I'm paying and what I get, it's so worth it. Um, and it's nice to know that I'm supporting paying the people who are on the show since I know that doesn't happen on a lot of podcasts. So it just feels really good. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, the, the model of, you know, if everyone pays a little bit that that adds up to like a decent amount of money to make something like this possible. I really like that idea too of, you know, that it takes hundreds and hundreds of people to come together at kind of that level to do it. But if everyone can give a little bit, then it makes it way more sustainable. For sure. Do you want to share, um, I know you already talked about kind of where you live, but um, maybe a social media link or something in case people want to say hi. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm in Vancouver right now, but I'll be back in Ontario in the Toronto area um, mid-December. I am on Instagram at, it's just my name, Kira Ween. So K-I-R-A-W-I-E-N-S. And that's the only kind of big social media that I really use. Yeah, me too. I'm basically only Instagram these days. Ah, so thank you. And to everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want to help keep it going, if you want lots of bonus content, plus other fun opportunities and extras, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $1 or more per episode. Your support is what allows this show to continue as we already talked about. And I can't wait to get to know you better once you've joined our community. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.